0: Welcome to episode three of the All Blacks Podcast, I'm JP Tocker, and with me as usual is Andy Burt and today's episode is split actually into two sections. So the first one, uh, we're lucky enough to talk with uh, Salika Winiata who plays for the Black Ferns and she is the fullback try scoring machine, also women's player of the year in 2016 and we talked to her about just trying to balance rugby and life and um, they've got a big year, World Cup coming up and also they've got three tests here locally. In the second part, we managed to chat with Tamari Allison. Now, Tamari is a former All Black, former maori All Black, uh, Hurricane, Highlander, Rebel, and is currently playing for Rico Rams in Japan. And we have a bit of a chat with Tam just about uh, playing in Wellington growing up and a little bit about life after rugby. I uh, hope you enjoy. Please subscribe on iTunes. And um, if you want to reach out, just touch base via the social media channels. Cheers. Hey, I'm Dave Coles, and you are listening to the All Blacks podcast.
1: Uh, Welcome to the All Blacks Podcast. We're here with Black Fern Salika Winniada. Salika's in at New Zealand Rugby Headquarters to talk about ACC Rugby Smart. Um, Salika, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: And uh, welcome to my colleague JP, mate. Good to see you today. Thanks, Andy. How you doing, buddy? Good, mate. Very good. Good to be in uh, Wellington.
0: So this ACC Smart, what was the purpose of this morning? And and obviously they've brought you down here. It must be pretty important.
2: Yeah, look, um, being an ambassador for Rugby Smart um, today was... Just about getting the importance um, of hydration, nutrition, um, you know, what to do for warm ups, um, how important it is in your off season uh, through to your pre season, and what to do during your season. And just trying to give um, the young guys out there, girls and boys, um, some stepping stones um, to enhance their performance.
1: And Salika, um, just to just to tell back one thing we do with our guests here is a segment called "Try or No Try." So we'll talk about A.C. Rugby a little bit more, but um, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of quick fire questions, and you just need to say "Try or No Try" whether you agree or disagree. Um, so kicking that off with herbal tea, try or no try? No try. Oriental Bay. No try. Oh, Italy's tactics against England in the Six Nations.
2: Try. Yeah.
1: Guns and Roses. No try. Game of Thrones? No try. What about the Oscars ceremony?
2: Oh, try. What a joke. <laughs> yeah, awesome.
1: How about Patonk? No try. And Mexican Waves? Yeah, try. It's absolutely bomb that, Andy. last week. <laughs> yeah, there's a few tries in there. Hey, Salika, um, so your rugby back- background, you grew up in Levant, yeah, but you now live in Parme.
2: Yeah, born and bred and uh, live but moved up to Palmy at an uh, early age um, with the parents working up there.
0: And what age did you start playing rugby? Was it, was it early on or was it once you sort of got to college?
2: No, it was when I was uh, quite early on, eight years old, and I uh, don't actually know why I even got into the game. Dad was really stoked to see that I brought a, a form home from school. And back then you uh, had to go in and uh, you got put on a team based on your weight. So it was all done on weight back then. So uh, I guess that's why I'm still playing the game today. And, and when
0: you started out, were you straight and obviously with the boys? There wouldn't have been too many girls playing up up the line at that age.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, it was mainly boys. Uh, there probably was maybe three girls in my team, um, but as the years went on, uh, I became the only girl um, in the team. So different, but you know when you came up against opposition uh, back then quite immature. Um, some of the boys were like, oh, they've got a girl in their team, uh, they're going to lose and we're going to win. It wasn't until we started putting uh, points on, on the board and I started scoring a few tries that they realised, actually, she can play. So it was good.
1: Yeah, I remember playing for Hutt Valley Marist in the early 90s. We had two, two girls in our team and they just showed up, all the boys. So I was quite glad when I got to college, didn't have to play with them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and Two um, Cyclones, um, how did the season go last year for you guys?
2: Look, I think we were uh, unfortunate in a couple of our games. We fell short. Um, You know, we lost to Auckland by five points. We lost to Wellington by five points and lost to Canterbury by five points. And we ended up coming fifth on the table. So that number five isn't something that I actually uh, like too much. But um, it was a great learning for a lot of our girls. Uh, We had a few new ones in there. But, um, yeah, pretty disappointing.
0: And this year leading up, you've guys got about four tests confirmed, and um, this was a big build up for you. How's your training and your preparation going for the the season?
2: I think it's going well. Um, You know, I did take a break from sevens um, before starting into 15s just to make sure that my body could recover, um, knowing that, um, you know, come three months it's going to be full on. Um, And so, you know, it's in the gym, it's out on the field, and it's making sure. I'm um, doing my core roles uh, daily.
1: And looking at the June series, so Canada, England, Australia are all coming out here and a couple of doubleheaders with Lions um, matches, which is fantastic. Um, last year you had a doubleheader with the ABs, Eden Park. How special is that to play on that field?
2: I think first and foremost, it's um, always an honour and privilege to to be able to play um, on our home soil. It doesn't happen often for the Blackburns, so to be able to play in front of your own family, friends um, and fans is is a real awesome feeling um but you know to top it off being a curtain raiser to the ab's well you can't ask for much more and uh, to put a performance out like we did at eden park and to have you know the ab's on the sideline um waiting uh, to warm up and see what we could actually do on the field um it was awesome
1: and and being at that ground for that game was a beautiful day and actually there's no way it was a curtain raiser because there there are fans in the crowd of black ferns um Banners, you know, they were there for the black fans just as much as the All Blacks. So it's great to see. And uh, last year, you were rewarded with um, Player of the Year. Um, how did that feel to be be um, given that accolade?
2: Look, I mean, just to be nominated for that award, um, you know, is a privilege. There's so many talented rugby players out there, and how they managed to to get it down to three uh, is beyond me. But um, I didn't think I was going to win it. I was up against, you know, two. Two key players um, in the Blackburns, um, they play pivotal roles and are just as good. And so I think it could have gone to any one of us, but um, to be named Player of the Year, um, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe, um, but I just feel really honoured. Um, and, you know, I thank my family, they're the backbone to who I am today uh, with all their ongoing support and, um, you know, it's paid off.
0: You're very humble, I would have probably said that you were a shoo-in for Player of the Year, the amount of tries that you've scored. <laughs> so if you were probably doing the numbers, it, uh, I would have probably had my money on you. But, uh, hey, and that's probably, you know, you've got a fantastic attitude, and like you said, that's probably um, some of those core ethics and morals that your family have brought you up on. So hey, look, and uh, just today, so we'll, we'll roll back to the ACC Smart, which is why you're here at headquarters. Um, and importance of you, have you had to deal with concussions and things like
2: that? I have actually had a concussion myself. Uh, it's going back ten or twelve years ago now, and back then we definitely didn't have the information that um, is out there today, and um, I just hope that the the young youth out there and even some of the you know older players are taking it on board and they need to know how important it is because you know you're messing with your brain and um, you only get one, and if you screw it up good and proper, that's you gone. so um you know when I had my concussion. Um, I did probably the complete opposite to what um, we should be doing and um, yeah I think it's it's a very important topic and I think Rugby Smart are doing some really cool things to help minimise um, you know um, ongoing injuries through that.
1: Yeah and that's interesting I mean when I was a kid I remember we'd, we'd run around with no boots on and things like that and have you noticed a change in attitude in terms of you know everyone wearing mouth guards and all that kind of stuff and kids understanding the importance of all those safety measures in rugby
2: i think now um with the push that rugby smart along with acc are doing you know um where it's zero tolerance around if you're not wearing a mouth guard you're off the field i think that's really important because you know you still get people who don't like mouth guards and so won't wear one um but i think you know now that you're not only going to hurt yourself but your 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 actual team by getting sent off the field, I think that's going to pull a lot more people in line and they'll start wearing them.
0: And I saw that just talking about the, the blue card that's sort of come into the game and, and been sent from the field. And do you think that we're doing enough around the concussion and um, protecting players, especially at the professional level, where, um, you know, for you guys who've got test matches and, and things like that, that we're doing enough to make sure that you can take the field but also can protect you for life after rugby?
2: I think when you talk about the professional side, And those players, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot being done. And, you know, we're very grateful for that. Um, When you look at the lower grades, the grassroots, um, I think there's a lot of work still to be done around um, getting the right information out to the coaches and referees and making sure that they actually understand um, what kind of symptoms and signs they're looking for and realising that it's actually okay to pull somebody off the field and at the end of the day, it's only a game and their life is more important and not to think, oh, how can I get them back out there Um, come next Saturday? It should be about, well, actually, no, um, let's make sure that there's something free and if it's 21 or 23 days that they need and it's still not enough, um, it should be that it's okay that it takes longer, not how quickly can I get back on the field.
1: Uh, It's a great initiative and I'm certain it's going to make rugby a much safer game. Hey Seleka, looking at later this year, um, big tournament looming, um, Women's Rugby World Cup. Um, How's the the camp feeling um, leading into this tournament this year?
2: At this stage it's probably a bit early, Um, you know, everyone's in their provinces um, and, you know, doing the hard yards and it's not going to be until the next couple of months where we've got a few training camps. Um, They're only one or two days. but the coaches will be looking to try and squeeze as much as they can into those camps to help prepare us. Um, you know, some may look at um, other countries around the world and, you know, we may not have the best lead up when you look at those playing Six Nations um, and getting the amount of game time they're getting. Um, but I think, you know, we're pretty fortunate to be able to have three test matches here, here in New Zealand uh, in June. And
1: the tournament's held in Ireland in August. Um, so how tough are those UK-based teams going to be over there on their home home track?
2: I mean, when you look at Ireland, you know, they're very passionate about their rugby and, and so are England. And, um, you know, I think that's one thing when we go over there, we make it our home. Um, we forget about, um, you know, the rest of the teams and it's got to all be about us. Um, we're going to have to be a bit selfish and um, make sure that we prepare well. Um, you know, and we've got to take one game at a time. It's no use looking too far ahead if you don't look at your first game. Um, you've got to treat each game as a final because it could be your last game. Um, you know, as, as we go on, we'll just build.
0: A little way out now. I know the World Cup's not too there, but who would you say is probably going to be your toughest opponent going into the Rugby World Cup?
2: I think if you look at our pool, uh, you know, we've got Canada in there and, I mean, they're coming out in June. And I think that's going to be, you know, uh, a pretty good tester for us um, to see, to be able to measure where we're at. Um, and, you know, it, it's like anything, um, you can you can go off the rankings, but it's actually the team who turns up on the day um, to play code and to play well. Um, it's the team that wants it the most and puts more into it because um, you can have the best team on paper, but if you don't go out and perform, you're not going to get the result you want.
1: I saw some footage of your um, games last year on the Northern Tour and it was great to see some Black Fern supporters in the crowd there. Um, how important is that support far from home, having those fans backing over there?
2: It's huge. Um, you know, New Zealand's only a small country and we're so far, far away from anywhere else. And to have the odd Black Jersey, um, the banners with, you know, Go Black Ferns is, is awesome to see. Um, it's great to see how enthusiastic people are about women's rugby, and you know, after a game, having people wanting your autographs, you know, in a different country, is um, is humbling.
1: And Salika, um, listeners out there may not know, but you're actually a police officer in your um, well, almost say spare time. But how how hard is it balancing your um professional career and your playing career?
2: At times, it's been uh, difficult, you know, being on shift work. It's um, definitely not something I would encourage young players um, who are looking to wear the black jersey um, but you know over the years the police have been pretty good and I've been able to have an office job so stable hours Monday to Friday and that's allowed me to do trainings before and after after work but I'm um, currently speaking I'm on leave without pay and that's just purely to focus on um, putting everything into um, Myself and getting the best performance I can come World Cup.
0: A lot of famous All Blacks have been police officers, like John Gallagher, Murray Pearce, right, and all those sorts of guys. Yeah. And um, so, so right now, in terms of the support that you're getting from uh, the police and the police association, do they sort of um, allow you to get the training that you need to do? And and also, does it sort of cross over a little bit? You obviously need to be pretty fit to be a policeman.
2: I think, depending on who you talk to, I think some people's perceptions on police officers will be like, they probably need to do a bit more training. Um, But no, you are right. Um, There's still stuff that you have to do within the police, Um, you know, physical tests. Um, And support, they have been supportive. Um, It's probably getting a bit tough now, you know, having to take leave without pay. Um, But when I look at it, rugby's not around forever. The police will be. So I want to take um, every opportunity that comes my way um, with the black jersey. I want to take it with two hands. And, uh, you know, not only are there other up-and-coming players within New Zealand wanting to take the jersey from me and others, um, you know, the world, um, their players um, are catching us. And so we need to be better than them. And the only way to do that is to make sure that I'm putting in enough hours.
1: And given your role in the police force and... um and the blackfins also, I, I take it this this means that you have a lot to do in your local community in Palmerston North. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Look, I love um, you know, one two, and um, you know, coming back and playing for my provincial side, whether it be sevens or fifteens, is a great feeling. Um, you know, to inspire the young girls in our region to to one play rugby, um, but to stick at it, and you know, possibly possibly one day. Um, they be wearing the black jersey just like I am and uh, I like to give as much back to the community as I can so at the moment I'm um, going into high schools and doing skill sessions with the girls teams and it's just great to see the looks on their faces um, when I turn up Um, you know um, they just want to learn so much and I want to give so much so um, it's pretty cool.
1: And how is the future um, for you in terms of New Zealand women's rugby? How's it looking with the young stars coming through, young players?
2: I think there's a long way to go um, in the two area and um, you know, getting that message out there that we want girls playing rugby. Um, and it's going to take time, but also being able to get um, you know, our volunteers that want to become coaches, um, because with good coaches um, comes good skills and if girls can learn proper good technique at an early age, um, it's really going to help them, you know, um, with their performances and excel.
0: In terms of your own skill base and things that you work on, is there things that you do weekly or, or skills that you practice weekly that you um, enable you to continue to grow and become a better rugby player?
2: Yeah, I'm always um, open for new options and different ways to train. It obviously gets boring if you're doing the same stuff um, day in, day out. Um, but, you know, being a fullback in 15s, um, you've got a lot of responsibility being at the back of the eyes um, to the team. Um, you've got to know how to kick. You know, you've got to know how to catch high balls. You also need to know when to attack and when not to. And, you know, you're that last cover of defense. So there's a lot of areas that, you know, I've got to tick. Um, and I'm very grateful. Last season, I got to train with the turbos. And so I went to all their trainings, jumped in and just become one of them, really. And I think that really helped me um, grow as a player um, because, one, you know, they're all bigger than me. Um, they're all faster and um, stronger, but it really helped me in my game.
1: And as a fullback, are there any players, um, either male or female, that have inspired you in your game?
2: Um, I th- growing up, not really. Um, I kind of just, I guess, do my own thing. But when I do watch the odd game of footy, um, you know, Ben Smith and Nahi, um, um, you know, they've got some, you know, pretty mad skills. And, you know, when you look at Ben Smith, he's, he's not the biggest man on the park and neither am I. So I think, you know, to watch what he can do um, and, you know, try and take a little bit of that into my game. Yeah.
0: I was kind of drawing parallels with Christian Cullen. Has anyone said that to you before? You're both from Manawatu?
2: Yeah, they have. Um, I'm probably not quite as fast as him, but, you know, um, yeah, I've watched some of his games and yeah, you know, he was small and um, and I'm small and I'm not going to get any bigger anytime soon. So it's just, you know, you kind of got to um, do what's best for you and put yourself in the right position um, so that you're not getting smashed.
1: And in the Blackburns, um, when you're on tour, or when you're basically, there's a much inter-team rivalry in terms of who's the fastest, who can lift the most in the gym or who's, who can do the best beat test and all that stuff. Is there much rivalry there?
2: Look, to be honest, we don't have enough time together um, to worry about that, um, you know, because when we go on tours, uh, we don't get to have a week apart um, in between each test match. It's pretty much test match recovery, a couple of days training and then you do it all over again. So. Um, I think with the black jersey comes a lot of responsibility and the girls know that um, the jersey's not just given out willy-nilly. You've really have got to have earned it. And um, I think that once a team does come together in the room, you actually, you know, you look around, you eyeball people and you can tell that they've done the work and you can tell if they haven't. Um, you know, and if they haven't, they soon know about it. Um, but, you know, we get tested within you know out in our provinces and that's I guess the way that we gauge Um, you know you look at people that are playing the same position as you and you kind of compare um, and I guess for some that's a bit of a motivation or an incentive that I need to pull finger and and push harder and give more Um, but when we're in in a team environment it's more what's best for the team and um, that the hard work has been done it's just about kind of polishing it off really.
1: Hey, one uh, final question for me. It's been great chatting, Salika. It's actually um, looking at last year's Farrah Palmer Cup, and as you mentioned, men or two got within five points of beating Auckland, and Auckland have dominated for the past 20 years, and of course, the county's been a Cal one. Um, for you personally, how was that feeling seeing that, that shift of power finally away from Auckland and, and the other teams really rising up last year? How good was that for the women's game?
2: Oh, I mean, I don't think you could ask for, for much more. It's great that, um, you know, another team apart from Auckland have actually got their hands on the cup. Um, but I think if you look at the teams overall, the skill level um, has just skyrocketed. and I think that's why we're seeing a lot better rugby being played, and it's awesome that uh, Sky televised so many of the games um to get um you know a lot more people out in the communities watching it and actually seeing that women can play rugby. They can hit just as hard. they can run, um you know, and I mean, I think within you know the next five years, um, I think anyone will be winning that competition. I don't think it's going to be dominated just by one province.
0: I want to say I think you're a fantastic ambassador for rugby smart, but probably a better ambassador for women's rugby as well. You speak fantastically well and you've been uh, great to chat to. So look, on behalf of me and Andy, thank you so much for coming on today and all the best for this year. I hope you girls go really well.
2: Cool. Thank you very much.
0: Cheers. Just like to welcome Tam and Allison to the All Blacks podcast mate, how you doing? Good, good to be here. Yeah, thanks for making the uh, the, the, the trip in this morning. Now you are, you're on holiday officially at the moment?
3: Yeah, that's right, yep. Uh, due back in Japan in May.
0: And uh, you've retired from Super Rugby or you just decided that you couldn't double up again?
3: Um, well, I, I can't play in, in Australia because as a capped All Black you can only play two seasons. So I, I had a dispensation for another season, so I had three years at the Rebels. Yep. Um, and and would have loved to head stayed, stay, but um, yeah, as I said, they can only have a, a maximum two to three years up there.
0: And and currently you with the, the Rico Rams out of uh, Tokyo. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
3: Yeah, been there now. I think it'd be seventh or eighth season this year. Um, so really enjoyed up there. Yeah. It's been um, it's been a good challenge. But we had a good season last year, and, and looking to kind of make some improvements on that in the this season coming.
0: Who else have you got with you at, uh, at Ricoh from New Zealand?
3: So at the moment, we have Mike Broadhurst, who plays for Japan, um, Colin Burke, who's played at the Highlanders and the Chiefs. We had Tim Nano Williams last year. Um, yep. We have um, Alex Wooten, who's North Harbour prop. Um, and they're the
0: Kiwi boys that we have up there at the moment. Yeah. And uh, Colin Burke is either. Is he the team prankster, the funny guy? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a bit of everything. He's the
3: kind of organises. Um, he, he organises everything actually at the club. So he's he's been great. Uh, really good Japanese. Good understanding. Always plays well. Always drinks a lot. Um, <laughs> but he can back it up, and he he's he's done really well, and the and he's he's really helped the growth of the club up there, both on and off the field.
0: Yeah, you were just saying before. So he he's been playing ten. Obviously, he's a number eight. In New Zealand, we know he was the number eight. Yeah, he actually yeah, Played yeah. a lot of ten in Japan.
3: Yeah, yeah. So he changed the year. We we kind of our our first five eight uh, Japanese guy um, Kawano Yoshimitsu. Kind of he finished playing, and we had a bit of a gap there. So Cole played a season at ten, and then last year, sorry the the year between we had Bernard Foley come up um, and play ten. So Cole went back to eight, and then this year uh, Colin and myself both shared the ten duties. But he now plays a bit of ten and a bit of eight. So it's uh. It's pretty impressive because he he plays well in both spots.
0: It's not bad. Eh? He's always was a pretty talented fellow. Just uh, probably, I thought he would have been a little bit big for team, but he's obviously moving well. Hey, and, um your All Black career, so you had uh, I've got down about four tests, and you, you had probably how many games for the New Zealand Maoris did you have? Oh, I I couldn't actually tell you that. Um, yeah, I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, <laughs> it's funny. I was with them in a few different periods, so I started in, I think, 2005, I know that because of the yep. Lions, it was the year the Lions toured, yep. Yep. so I was in the squad that year, I didn't get a chance to play against the Lions, I played the game in Fiji, perhaps. Um, and so so that's how I remember it, yeah, and they come around this year, I was actually thinking about trying to come home and play, um, yep. and, and talk to a couple of clubs and got really close, but... Uh, Kind of at 33, I decided probably Japan was um, financially the, the better option at this stage.
0: 33 is still pretty young, though. You reckon you can keep going to? Yeah, I think so. Like Thorn
3: years? I don't know about Brad Thorn years. Um, you probably, you know, got to make sure I look after my body. Um, but in Japan, probably mentally is a big thing as well. Yeah. Because um, people go up there with different expectations can, can struggle. So having been there for a, for a period now, I kind of understand. Um, you, kind of how the how the rugby works up there, and and how the family life. So, if you can get that balance right, you, you normally be all right.
0: Yep. And um, you've got a few things going on outside of rugby as well. You're sort of looking already ahead to rugby or post post rugby life. Yeah,
3: um, I've been really lucky um, by chance or, or you know by attraction. I've been involved a wee bit with We Are Tenzing Group in Auckland. Yep. Um, it's got a new player agency. I'm, you know my intent with the group at the moment is just kind of um just sharing knowledge and 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 giving them a hand and um around uh my thoughts really with with Māori and p i players um the the system um the professional model at the moment and the professional model when i come through and and really trying to give them some ideas on um how i think it can be done a wee bit better so people um and mainly the off field stuff can um, can transition out of the game um, a, a little bit more um, easily, or, or, or transition out of the game with um, not a bigger as bigger drop down in a lot of areas, which is, is probably been found out in, in recent years. As, as the guys who were full time pros, meaning guys who came out of college and have only ever been a pro rugby player, are starting to retire.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting period, isn't it? Because it's that it was that cusp of of pro and then those rugby academies and. Um like we we both know a few guys that played a bit of NPC at school came out and they've never had a job right and so now they're in the workforce for the first time it can be quite daunting.
3: Yeah yeah absolutely yeah. And, and you and it probably that model is, is only going to get stronger as the recruiting um, is, is probably a bit more intense and, and kids are in what you might call a rugby bubble be it at, um, at high school where where the high school system is ramped up you know there's, there's There's money and resource put behind high school rugby, which is good for for the rugby and also if the kid's are educated well throughout. Um, Just conscious that if they're in that system from an age of, say, 13 to 30 perhaps, if if they're really lucky, then um, have they had enough um, life skills and interactions outside of the game that um, when they come off at the end, they don't kind of fall off. They can kind of step down a few few runs as opposed to... um, a massive
0: drop. mate, you've played for um, the Hurricanes, Hollanders, Rebels, obviously Rico, Uh, you've you've made, I think, under-19s, New Zealand Colts, New Zealand Māori, you've pretty much made every team you could possibly make. Um, If you have a look at sort of, or if you ever think about all those franchises and rep teams you played for. Was there one or two, obviously the All Blacks being number one, that probably stand out as, as a team or a franchise that you had the most fun at? The, uh,
3: the most fun would probably be um, the Highlanders, I'd say, because I came, I had left um, the Hurricanes, I left the All Blacks and went to Japan, and, and probably my initial expectations in Japan um, it was a little bit different um, in reality. So when I came back to the Highlanders, I was really keen just to play rugby. I probably, um, I just wanted to come back and play and, and enjoy the game, as, as you do probably when you're a lot younger. Um, was at the Hurricanes, uh, I was probably still still figuring that mental side of the game out and um, and therefore probably didn't enjoy it as, as much as I uh, would have liked. But the Highlanders were good, and, I, and as I say, I, I just really enjoyed the game for what it was, um, without any um, else around. I think you learn that in Japan. You come from going um, from you know ten or fifteen thousand at a game here to to play a game in Japan. You might you, you might get um, a yeah. thousand, and the the support and the media and the promos is there's, there's not that surrounding it. So um, it is actually just playing the game, which which um, you know I I love more than more than the other bits. And uh, I got to do it with the Hollanders here. Yeah.
0: When you came back, that's, after that stint you came back and played for the Horrenders, you made the All Blacks again uh, yeah, as a utility. I think yeah. you played a little bit, you played two or three different positions.
3: Yes, yeah, so, so, and and that probably helped. Like um, I remember the, the first or second week I'd had two games and, and spoke with the All Black coaches. They came in and said, you're going really well, we're keen to have you back in the squad, which was a bit of a surprise but at the same time I didn't um, feel the pressure as yeah. I did when I was with the Hurricanes when, when that was the ultimate goal. I, I'd been through that and, um, you know, gone away to Japan and as I said, just came back to purely play. Um, so it was exciting to be back involved with, with, with the All Blacks um, and again, not have that, that pressure that, yeah. that you that can sometimes, if, if you put too much on, can, can limit you.
0: you. You grew up in Wellington and we had... Um a little bit, well, a year or two younger than Ma Nonu, I think he might have done the form twice, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then Conrad Smith sort of turned up a few years later, um, and then there was, you know, there was another guy, Willie Lafaele, who didn't probably, who I thought was probably the best of everybody, but maybe didn't kick on, so there's like a real log jam for, for midfielders, and um, but you still managed to make a fist of it, Did, was that decision one of the reasons why you left the Hurricanes at the time, that so you wanted to get some more time in the midfield?
3: Yeah, well... Um, there was, I mean, there was always great uh, midfielders, not, not including like Tana and, and Peter Latini was here, Tani Tupolota was here, all around the same time. Um, so, the, you know, that was part of the reason, obviously, Conrad and Maa were, you know, two legends and, and, and really good friends. And I made the All Blacks kind of playing on the wing, um, so that, <laughs> I was never going to have enough gas yeah. for that to be sustainable. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of had to move, but at the same time, I didn't really want to try and restart a career um, at the Crusaders or at the Highlanders so I, I chose to go to Japan yeah. um, for a couple of seasons and then came back after that um, and again I, I really enjoyed it the, the second time around.
0: And what about um, just sort of bouncing around all over the place also, but that, that debut for the Blues right, so you, I think you played for the Lions maybe that season, I think it was 2005 or 2004? And did you, you end up having a, getting a call-up to the Blues the following season? Was that where you put, had your super debut?
3: Yeah, that's right. So I was involved with the New Zealand Sevens. Um, I was on the circuit, and I came home, and uh, I think they had a few injuries at the Blues, yep. and um, Joe Smith was the coach, and I'd had him through some age-grade trial yep. stuff. Yep. Um, so I managed to go up and join them, um, played the one game, and I think I was there with them for about maybe four or five weeks, which was quite cool. Um, I really enjoyed that kind of. Uh, some a few legends were were still left in the squad at the time, like Doug Howlett and, and Carlos Spencer, and yep. um, a good mate of mine, Luke McAllister, was playing at the time. So it was it was quite a cool, uh, soft introduction into Super Rugby. Yep, yep. Where's Luke
0: McAllister these days?
3: Luke is in um, Toulouse, I think. Yeah, I should know. I was actually just talking to him this morning. <laughs> he's doing all right. He is. Well, um, he's been there for a long time now. Yeah. Um, uh, Lukey, so he obviously he must be doing something right, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. And, and, mate, so did it feel like you were, just, you were thrust into super rugby? I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd come to the age grades, um, obviously Marner College, you, you played uh, – did you even get much club rugby for Norse? You probably didn't yeah, get to play a hell of a lot. Yeah,
3: I was pretty lucky, though, because um, I th- the best part that you know, I look back on now is that um, – I didn't kind of come from school into any straight into a professional environment. It took yep. me a year of club rugby. Then I moved into the academy. So before I was any kind of system I had to figure a few things out myself. Yep. Um, same with the secondary schools. I didn't play Wellington secondary schools. I but the year after I managed to play New Zealand nineteens, which was quite a big jump, and then New Zealand twenty ones a year after that and I kind of worked out um how to train and, and, and how to get myself right and um so the club was good though and and, and I think it's a, it's a model that I and you know, I try and promote um with my brother as well we're both involved out at norths yep. which is a big part of of the the rugby um picture and I was very uh you yeah, happy to have those club days before moving into um the professional environment.
0: it's probably a little bit of grounding for some of those guys that come out of first 15 and um probably just need to know what it's a little bit like maybe at grassroots and and go through that sort of that rather unprofessional environment where you've got to sort of fend for yourself
3: yeah I think so I think it makes you appreciate um when you when you have full-time physios and full-time doctors and you have trainers and everything's done for you as I said you have to kind of work out your own training you you might get a physio every now and then that'll that'll strip you so I, I think it is really good for um as I said for for just being able to be conscious of your own process and work out what works for you before you're in an environment where um, a lot of that stuff is done
0: for you. Did you manage to play, in fact, I think you did, a couple of games with Jerry?
3: Uh, yeah, I played I played a bit with JC, um, both at North, at Wellington, the Lions, and the Hurricanes. So, you got a couple uh,
0: of North games in? Yep, yep. yep. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, looking back now, it was, it was very lucky. Um, he was obviously a club legend, but someone who, you know, was when he was in town, he was he was at training, yeah. Um, you know, and, and going for it.
0: Yeah, this is a pretty good days, eh? And, and and so so coming through now, you've um you've also got another year at Rico. Do you think there's an opportunity that you could come back and finish your career as playing some super footy? Uh, I don't think it'll New be Zealand? super
3: footy. I'd like to come back and play club rugby. Yeah. Um, you know, if I can look after my body, but I think I'll be up in Japan for, for the next little bit. And um and hopefully come back which which might be closer to Brad Thornier's, and, and, <laughs> and um try and trade some more stories at Club Rugby.
0: Do you think we'd see uh ever see the three Allisons playing for North's again?
3: Uh well, uh maybe. I mean it'd be it'd be quite a cool little um way to finish where you know, it's funny, my brother younger brother was quite close to coming to Rico this year and and I actually had spoken a wee bit with Karida, who we're we Jacobs base, so yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, it would be good. I think I've only played with one of them at a time and, and played against one of them. So it would be it'd be awesome actually. Yeah.
0: And uh, just a couple of ones. Who who's been probably the most toughest player for you to mark or or, or match up against?
3: Uh, well, like because I've played with my Ma- and Conrad, you know, you you're, you're mainly playing with them. Um, I'd say they would have been yeah, pretty good to play against. I only played a couple of times against them. Um, I struggled with played a couple of games against the Waratahs, and then New Zealand Juniors, we played Australia A against Tamana Tahu, the old league. Yeah, yep. Um, and he was very um, deceptively strong. Like, he, he he was a big guy who didn't really look big. Yeah. Um, I understand he, like, power cleans 160 yeah, or something. And yeah, yeah,
0: he's a freak. Right? The
3: time I marked him, he, he was power cleaning me all over the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's someone who sticks out like, and sometimes the people you underestimate that are, that are strong yeah. for what they look like, you know? Yeah.
0: Who's the, uh, the worst player to room with? Uh,
3: Corey Jane is probably up there. He's quite messy. He's quite. Uh, Don't look at my desk. It's a bit noisy. <laughs> um, and he's got a lot of energy. And he lives in the bath. Or, well, he used to live in the bath. Well, that's what he said he was doing in the bath. He used to take his laptop in there with him as well. <laughs> but he. Um, Probably CJ. Maybe sort saw that stuff out now,
0: but uh, I'm not sure. See if we can hassle and get on, see if we can rebut to that. And um, just the Lions Tour this year, obviously it's a big year for the All Blacks and uh, for New Zealand as well. And you mentioned you did get to play that game in Fiji. Yeah. Was I that think 2005, I... was it? Was that...
3: Yeah, I think I was on the bench in the game. Yeah. Um, the New Zealand Maldives in 2005 played Fiji. Uh, Played against Fiji, that's right. Yeah. And then the, the following week, I think me and Thomas Waldram got sent home to club rugby. Yeah. And the big, the big uh, guns played the Lions and Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a great year. Um, and, and it's just so good that those those um, Northern Hemisphere teams are doing really well. Um, so it'll be a great test for the All Blacks. Um, you know, it's, it's not often that the, the two top sides um will come against each other. You know, when the timing's right, and it's looking like it could be um the timing could be right for those games this year.
0: Is there anyone in that, that lines tour you think um, we need to keep an eye out for? I think um, Atoji
3: will be, you know, he's, I actually stood next to him in Melbourne and he's probably one of the biggest rugby players I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and if you look at the way he plays, he actually, he can hit dudes, but he's actually super skillful. Yep. He's like, um, he's almost like a loose forward but built like a lock and he is, he's damaging, so uh, he'll give them a good run up,
0: up front for sure it's going to be interesting, eh? And, and I've, I've I've mentioned it on this episode, probably this show last week. That um, it's exciting because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, every time the time all works run out, it's probably a, a done deal. But just that Warren Gatlin edge. Have you been coached by Warren or had not sort of thing to do with them?
3: No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, yeah, it, it will be interesting. There, there's a wee bit of um, a bit of media going on as well, which which adds a bit of fuel to um the tour. Uh, but I think it's you know, it's going to be great.
0: Hey, mate, we'll uh, look to wrap it up there. Hey, thanks very much for coming coming on the show and, and all the best in Rico this year. But um, also, you're doing some cool stuff, I think, and uh, some exciting things that, you know, because it, it's not an epidemic, but, it, you know, it's still a big issue. You know, we've got a lot of these guys coming out of out of rugby and professional footy and, and do need a bit of help, you know, despite them them having made a little bit of money, but they probably need to do a, a little bit of direction. So it's we'll keep, good to keep an eye on that. Is there somewhere we can? look out on the internet or yeah i think uh, we are tending, um, okay. is is the group that we're yep. involved with at
3: the moment yep. i think they've got some great stuff okay. um at the moment still building but within the next um little bit i think uh they'll, they'll be a company that um, can definitely provide value for the for the younger kids the guys current guys and guys coming out of
0: contract yeah hey awesome mate thanks very much and all the best for 2017 thanks for having me cheers thanks very much for listening to episode three of the All blacks podcast on um, behalf of uh, Andy and myself we appreciate your support and uh, please subscribe on iTunes and as usual if you have any feedback you know we're, we're experiments in here too please get in touch on Facebook and let us know who you'd like us to talk to and whether you know we should be tr- trying to talk to one or two guests per episode or whether you just like to you know spend a little bit more time with the one so once again thank you very much for your support and we'll see you again next week